I'm Elaine Cooperman. I'm Samantha Fishbein. And I'm Jordana Abraham, and we're the founders of Betches Media. Welcome to When's Happy Hour, the podcast, where each week we interview entrepreneurs from across multiple industries to learn their stories and showcase the experience they've gained from running their own businesses. As always, we ask the questions and talk about the things that everyone wants to know but are too afraid to ask or say out loud. For more on everything you might want to know about your career, pick up the paperback version of our book, When's Happy Hour, Work Hard So You Can Hardly Work, available on May 14th. Hello, and welcome back to our next episode of When's Happy Hour. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And I'm Aileen Cooperman. Well, we're doing last names. Great, okay. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I never know when, when we are or when we're not. But today we're joined by Julie Rice, co-founder of SoulCycle. She is an investor and entrepreneur, and you may know her from SoulCycle, but now, ever since leaving SoulCycle, she is now a partner at WeWork, which is huge deal so welcome julie hi guys i'm such a big fan thanks for having me we're huge fans one time we were well i think we were coming from i think i was at a create and cultivate thing or we were walk i was walking by i think you were on on a flight or something and i was just walking by i'm like she looks familiar to me and then you waved at me and i was like how, how does she know do we know each other and then i realized i was wearing a soul cycle shirt <laughs> and i was like i feel connected so it was great um did welcome. you do so did you do so soul cycle this morning no I, not this i did morning. friday i rode in the upper oh, no, west side Saturday. this morning i just have to say i've never cried in workout classes except soul cycle i know that's so lame to say but i have and i did this saturday it yeah. was a really good instructor <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hear that all yeah. the time. It's it's not an you know it's not an infrequent story. And the truth is that we actually really did craft the experience yeah. to take you through you know a physical journey, but also an emotional journey. Right. So there's definitely real architecture behind that. You know, I don't think that we ever said like, oh, we hope everybody walks out of here and cries. <laughs> tears, but we sweat and tears. But no, no, but we definitely did think about there being a point in the class mm. where people have a real emotional breakthrough, and that could be whatever it is for you that day. Someday. It could be extreme joy. Mm -hmm. Some days it could be getting rid of something that you need to get rid of. But there's, a, it's actually architected for that kind of a breakthrough. Yeah, that's why I love it. We were, we're, we have another podcast. It's a wellness podcast called Diet Starts Tomorrow, or Wellness in Quotes. Um, but we always sort of talk about like, to how do we, what is like self care and like what is how do you be how do you stay mindful and like I'm always like I can't meditate. She's like, have you tried breathing? Like, I, you know, I breathe every day. <laughs> but I realized this weekend that like that's how I. Like, I love spit the soul cycle. I'm not even there just to, like, work out. I just like to be there. No, well, it's funny. I mean, yeah. you and I are actually soulmates, no oh, pun intended, because, I mean, really, a good portion of the reason that Elizabeth and I sort of invented soul cycle was that... I mean, I cannot meditate for two minutes. I can't. Same. I can't make it through a yoga class. I can't even sit still. You know. Yeah, me neither. And so for me, you know, and for Elizabeth as well, you know, we always did think of it sort of as a moving meditation. And there mm. is something about, you know, babysitting your brain in that way. You know, it's moving. Sure. The music is going. And I think for really active people, you can find a different kind of meditation in there. Yeah. Yeah, because you like you you can feel your brain going somewhere else, and then all of a sudden you have to concentrate on what they're like the choreograph like the choreograph moves and then you suddenly become back to the center 100%. yeah anyway i'm a huge fan too you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I remain a huge fan <laughs> so tell us a bit about how you got to where you are you obviously had a very long and fruitful career so i've had a very long career that's for sure <laughs> um and it's been very fruitful uh so you know like sort of you know everybody else that goes to school to a liberal arts school and is not really sure about what they're going to do with the rest of their lives um you know i started out in college i was 
an, an English and theater major. I've always loved theater and production and that kind of thing. And so I really thought that I wanted to be in the movie business. Of course, you know, you, you need to know people mm-hmm. to get yeah. to get the, to get these hardworking, you know, overworked, underpaid jobs in the movie <laughs> business. So, you know, I came home one one summer from college and I yeah. said to my parents, like, who do we know? Yeah. Um, and I wound up getting an internship at a really tiny kids talent agency, and that's kind of how it began. But I did have, uh, you know, an almost 20 year career in the movie business where I worked in New York first, and then I went to Los Angeles and I managed actors. And I think from, you know, creating careers and uh, you know, creating personalities and publicity mm-hmm. and sort of a career path for different actors. One thing that I learned was really how to turn people into brands. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that started my love of brand building. And what was kind of funny was after I was done living in Los Angeles, I moved back to New York. And the one thing that was very important to me in Los Angeles was exercise. And on the West Coast in 2003, exercise was really different than it It was on the East Coast. And it's also different than it is now. (laughs) It is. Although I I want to say that SoulCycle sort of helped pave the way for exercise as lifestyle rather than exercise as, you know, calorie burning Mm -hmm. grind which is really what it was when I moved back to New York, you know, in 2003. And so what I missed about LA was, you know, hiking with my friends, running at the beach. So much of my social life and so much of the way that I felt about myself during the day was tied up in really having those moments of freedom and empowerment and social life with exercise. And I came back here and there were big box gyms and there were ways to burn calories and there were ways to have an instructor yell at you. But what there were not were real opportunities to use those moments of movement as time for yourself, as times to community build. And I was fortunate enough to be taking a class um, with an instructor at a gym and we became kind of friendly. And I kept saying, this could be better, this could be a brand, this could be an experience. And one day she said to me, you know, there's a woman who takes a class of mine at a different gym and you guys could meet. She said she wants to start a fitness business as well. And the rest is kind Did of. Did you want to start a fitness business, th- business, business, business then, or were you just you were noticing that there it could be better? Well, no, I was taking classes, um, indoor cycling classes at this gym with this instructor. And I just kept saying this could be different. It could be an experience. It could be sort of like a mini production. People Mm -hmm. could feel a part of something. It could be with great design. It could have a brand wrapped around it. It could be really meaningful to people. And so I really was thinking about that business in particular because the truth is it's something that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, I really missed that part of my life from the West Coast. And so Elizabeth and I were introduced. Mm -hmm. Um, We met at a lunch. Uh, We joke around and we say it was the best blind date that we've ever been on. (laughs) But it was sort of a crazy thing. We met, we had this incredible lunch, we shared a common vision and yet we were really different people. And before I could even get into my cab on the way home, my phone rang and Elizabeth said, okay, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna look for real estate and you're gonna research towels and we'll see each other <laughs> next week. Yeah. 
And that's really what happened. And that Thursday, my phone rang, and Elizabeth had found a sublet of an old dance studio on Craigslist. And she said, meet me on 72nd Street at 11 o'clock. We went. We went across the street after Mm -hmm. we saw the space. It was 1,200 square feet. It was Mm -hmm. a five-year sublet. We went to a Starbucks. We wrote on the back of a napkin that if we could see uh, between the back of a napkin, totally. Elizabeth has that. You want to be successful? Just get (laughs) on the napkin. (laughs) Elizabeth literally has that napkin framed in her office, and it said if we could see between seventy-five and a hundred people a day at twenty-seven dollars a bike, Mm -hmm. we would have enough to pay our rent, to pay for some babysitters because we both had five-month-old children at the time. Wow! And we'd have enough left over that we could each make a little profit and feel really successful about what we were doing wow that's incredible did you have jobs right did you have jobs so 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 I was working full-time um I had moved to New York and when I did I was running an office for the uh talent management company that I had worked for in Los Angeles wow but you quit it um, yeah, well, I worked I worked both right up okay. until the day that we opened pretty much just because at the time, um, you know, I had a small child and, you know, my husband was, was doing really well, but yeah. we needed two incomes and it was scary. And so, so scary. <laughs> really scary. I mean, yeah. For us, you know, I always I, I always say thank you. One of my girlfriends had an incredible rent control apartment on the corner of 71st and Columbus above Harry's Burrito. And we paid 900 and something dollars a month to live there. But the truth is that apartment really afforded us the luxury to start SoulCycle. You know, my husband was, was working away. I gave up my, you know, well-paying job. And for the next four or five years, we really, you know, had no salary. We had a baby. We lived in New York City. And so it was not easy. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, SoulCycle was really the first of its kind. Like, you really kicked off what fitness is now. Like, I don't think that there are really successful fitness companies that are, that don't take the model that you've taken and really make it a comprehensive experience. So how did you see that potential that exercise could go from being, like, kind of almost a 90s early 2000s grind to being an ex- an experiential thing totally so so here's what's so interesting i mean cut to new york city in 2005 and not only is exercise not a lifestyle i mean there is no category of fitness like that that exists on the east coast and there's also no pay per class model the model at the right. time was big box gyms take your credit card they charge you 2 or 300 bucks a month and they hope that you don't show up yeah. so that they can charge somebody else that money and they can max out the utilization in the space and you right can't get out of it and you can't get out of it i mean at the time three again month freeze <laughs> three months free yeah. call this 800 number to cancel yes. your membership you get you know exactly. transferred to so many places that by the time right. they transfer you to the third person you think like that I'll just go to the gym screw and it that, I'd rather pay the money the workout right that's the workout the it's called the frustration workout exactly. um, but you know so, but we really thought it could be different and we thought that by creating a pay-per-class model what we could do was we could really challenge ourselves every single time to deliver on the experience that we were promising people mm-hmm. and you know being a big musical theater geek that I 
I am, I always used to say, you know, it's curtains, uh, it's curtain up and curtain down from the moment that people cross the threshold until the moment that they leave. And we really thought about it in a way, you know, we never thought about starting a fitness business. You know, our brand muses were never other fitness places. We always thought, you know, how can we make the store feel like Apple? Mm -hmm. How does the product feel like a luxury good? How is the customer experience feel like people matter? And I think that from very early on, we really thought about every touch point and creating the kind of experience that people would come back for. Because the truth is, you know, when we first opened, we'd get articles in the press and the New York Times, and I would show up for the studio on those days that I knew press was coming out because Elizabeth and I were the people that worked there. I'd get there at five in the morning, you know, expecting some onslaught of people, you know, lining up outside for the studio. But realistically, that wasn't what was happening because there was nothing like this in New York City. People weren't calling me to say, why is your indoor cycling class better than somebody else's? What they were calling me to say was, why would I pay $27 for something that was already included in my gym membership? And so I think we really saw the potential of creating not just a a product, but an actual category. Wow, that's really impressive. But like, what was your, so you just went with your sort of intuition to believe that people would pay that much. Like, what was it? Totally. Like, at what point were you just like, maybe they won't show up? No, let, let me just say to you, not <laughs> yeah. only did we go with our gut, yeah. but everybody told us that they wouldn't show up. I mean, yeah. my, my parents said to You're me, this crazy. Is a terrible <laughs> idea. You have great health insurance where you are. Yeah. I would go out to dinner with my husband, and before we would go out with our friends, he would say, please don't talk about that spin business that you want to start. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Oh Nobody's going to do that. You know, I have friends now that in hindsight, you know, oh, wish I would have put a little money in. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, Yeah. I wish that you would have also, you know. But nobody thought this was a good idea. I mean, everybody really thought that this was a terrible idea. And so, but, you know, that's kind of why Elizabeth and I always think that this, and I'm sure it's not unlike for you guys. I'm sure people said to you guys when you were starting this business, you know, how are you going to monetize this thing? Mm -hmm. How are you going to make this happen? Who's going to pay your, you know. It took us a bit. By the way, it takes. What's a company that sounds like bitch? (laughs) It takes takes everyone a bit. But. I think that, and I'm sure that you guys can speak to this also, but I think that for Elizabeth and I, the way that we really knew was that it wouldn't go away for us. It was such a strong, you know, it was such a strong inner voice. Mm-hmm. I personally think that being an entrepreneur is not a choice. You can't wake up one day and say, I'm going to start my own business. To me, it's like a calling. Mm-hmm. When people say to me, how did you take the risk? You know, how did you overcome the challenges? This was something that was keeping me up at night to actually create it. Yeah. You know, the mistakes kept me up less than the actual calling to make it happen. And I think that was it. It was just such a strong voice. I mean, I needed it, Elizabeth needed it, and I think that we knew that if we were really hungry for something that didn't exist, mm-hmm. you know, something that's really a human experience, that human beings can yeah. connect to themselves and connect to each other <laughs> and cry. Yeah. Um, I think that we just knew we, yeah. we knew that we we knew that if we could figure out a way to really deliver on what we were promising that this was going to happen. This episode has been sponsored by Third Love, our favorite bra company that we talk about all the time. And I'm again wearing their bra. (laughs) Is it because I wear the same bra every day or is it because I just love them a lot? I think you just love them a lot. Yeah, you're right. Third Love has more than 70 different sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, which is really amazing because... It makes sense. We all don't have the same. We don't all fall into like four different sizes. Literally, my left is different than my right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My left is maybe your right. <laughs> that 
I think not just She's staring just, at my just boobs now. Look, just, but the point yeah. is, is that third love embraces that and they really understand women. And so they have this amazing fit finder quiz. So that helps you find the exact not only size, but shape of bra that's tailored to you. Shape is more important than size Apparently, even. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. So you do this quiz. Over like 12 million different women have taken this quiz to date. And it's really fun. Who doesn't love a quiz? And at the end, you kind of like learn something about yourself that you might not have known. Like and your bra shape. The best thing actually, which I have definitely done, is they have a 100% fit guarantee. So every customer has 60 days to try the bra. And if you don't like it, if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't fit your lifestyle, you can return it. And they're dedicated to f helping you find what actually does fit. And what they do with that other bra that didn't fit you is that they wash and they donate it to a woman in need which again like is really my favorite and we've done we've met talked about their love so many times is always my favorite thing to say about them yeah we love when companies donate something when you it buy. just makes as a sense. result of you buying it, it does make sense. sense right we should all be giving back okay so third love knows there's the perfect bra for everyone so right now they're offering our listeners 15 percent off your first order go to thirdlove.com slash whh now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15 percent off your first purchase that's thirdlove.com slash whh to get 15 percent off today <laughs> People love it. I was in a class once and someone was celebrating their like 2000th class or something. And I was like, that that's wild. Well, that's amazing. That, that's the other thing. I mean, I think yeah. that one way that you really know when you've built a brand or something you know, that is more than just a utility. Mm -hmm. You know, what you're creating is not users. You're creating evangelists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very you much know. Apple. And I think that's I think that's always what we went for. We never wanted somebody to just go and say, oh, that was that was great. I'm coming back tomorrow. For us, considering that we had no marketing dollars in uh -huh. the beginning, yeah. um, not only did you have to think the experience was so fabulous, but for us, the benchmark of you, you know, right. liking SoulCycle was you needed to bring somebody back with yeah, you. you need to tell someone. Yeah. My favorite part about SoulCycle has always been the smell. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. Like when you walk in or walk near it, even that smell like calls you in a little bit. Like it kind of is like, oh, I'm ready to go. Like I associate it. I could smell it right now and I would know that's soul cycle. It's totally out of context. <laughs> no, not at all. And you know, what's so interesting is that whether Elizabeth and I realized it from the first moment that we opened our little rear lobby studio that we found on Craigslist, we were building a brand. I can clearly remember all of the months leading up to our opening where you know, we sat in Elizabeth's apartment and we lit 15 candles and we really talked about why it should smell like grapefruit. Right. You know, and we thought it's 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 unisex. It smells clean. It's fresh. It's right. uplifting to us that match the color that the logo would be. Um, so it was all thought about even down to the water that we chose. You know, we wanted something that was, mm -hmm. again, at the time, you know, Smart Water was the cleanest bottle possible. The branding right. kind of disappeared into ours. It was the right size. I mean, I think we really thought we did water taste tests. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we really thought about all of it. Crisp, none of yeah. it none of it was accidental. I think that from from the very first moment that, you know, Soul Cycle was born, we always say we really thought about her as mm -hmm. a person. Yeah. And we definitely made sure that 
you know, she had really distinct character traits. Yeah. yeah. The thing, it sort of feels like Apple in that, like, when you think of Apple, you think of, like, the design of how, like, holding your phone and how it, like, Experience, looks and feels. Yeah. And I think the same way about SoulCycle. Like, I can... I can like feel the shoes that you get there on the floor. Like the way that, no, there's like yeah. very distinct things about it. Like the way the bottle goes into the, the bike, like there, it's very much an experience that you feel. And every time you go back, no matter where you go, no matter what city. And I've been in like many cities. So it always feels the same. Well, I think the markers of like having a good brand. And I think is, is if the user feels like someone cared about what, what they're experiencing so like and like everything is done purposefully so like you said the smart water and like the grapefruit or the well, I, I don't remember what it was before like it was, was it always like the Malin Goet? I don't know how to say that brand <laughs> the Malin and Getz but yeah like, you know I mean when, when we first <laughs> thank you when we, first <laughs> <laughs> we needed someone yeah. no no when, when we first opened that. we could not afford Malin and Getz yeah. at all so we would actually go to Whole Foods at the time they had a grapefruit hand cleanser uh-huh. and we would just refill our bottles with yeah. that and we were paying retail for it I mean nobody would open oh, a wow. wholesale account for but us but that's purpose like you put you have like intention with that and and like, as a user you f- when you feel that coming from whatever you're paying for it adds to that like experience it makes me want to go bring a friend like experience this with it builds me. trust mm-hmm. in that like you yeah. know that they're paying attention to you and if you if you call the studio because you have to like miss a class like they always mm-hmm. will be like they have a way that they are that they mm-hmm. that they treat you it's a real thing so no no it's yeah. not only is it a real thing yeah. so so to lens out yeah you know the way that we treat our customers at soul cycle mm-hmm. is you know, this is not by accident. I mean, we we run Soul Cycle University inside of Soul Cycle, which is a yeah. full hospitality school, where everybody has to take modules of a curriculum that have everything to do with things like how to connect customer A to connect customer C. Like you need yeah. to find the commonality for them to how to treat your colleagues, um, and all of those things that these guys are trained to do mm-hmm. helps to create the culture at SoulCycle. I, I think that people often overlook the fact that if you know employees, you know. I think it's Simon Sinek who said, you know, your happiest customer is only ever as happy as your happiest employee. So to create those relationships between employees first so that they can then create those relationships with the customers that are coming in, we also make sure to train our employees on every touch point. When you call to cancel a class, it's not an accident that they do you a favor. I mean, doing you a favor is written into (laughs) our hospitality training. Favors for me. But that's okay because yeah. you know what? That's part of the way that they're encouraged to know who you are and, you know, listen. Are yeah, there... they seem like they know you even well, they though do. there's like no way you know. Well, they like, do. And by the yeah. way, that's ultimately also programmed into our technology. That wasn't at first. At first mm-hmm. when we had three studios, we just remembered. Right. We remembered that like you're a great customer and you don't cancel every day. And so if you're running late and stressed out, yeah. what do we want to do? We want to make you feel better. Yeah. Right. So if I call you and say like, don't, you know, if you call me and I say, don't worry, I'm holding your bike or it's no problem. I'm going to credit you back yeah. this time. What does that do? That to you says that I care about you. For sure. And then what's happening, right? Because really all people want in mm-hmm. this whole world is to matter and yeah. to be cared about. And how many times in this city a day does that actually happen to you? Because to me, it happens very infrequently. And I can honestly tell you the way that brick and mortar retail is going, it happens less and less mm-hmm. and less. And if you ultimately break it down to the fact that people just want to matter 
If you feel like you matter at SoulCycle for the one class that I give you back, for the five people that know your name, for the time that I, you know, give you the right size shoes without you asking me for them, Mm -hmm. you know, what I am doing with you is I am building something that is relational, not transactional. Right. And that's what's happening at SoulCycle. That's the way that we market. We build relationships. We build communities. We're not trying to sell you anything. Right. And that's a really different feeling. This episode is brought to you by Care of Vitamins. You guys have heard us talk about this before, and it's a really awesome subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. So your experience with Care of starts with one of my favorite things, which is taking a quiz to find out more about myself. You, They ask you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. Do you want more sleep? Are you looking for more energy? Are you looking to manage stress? And then they come up with a set of vitamins that you should be taking every day. It gets delivered straight to your door in this really cute little box. And the box contains one packet for each day. The packets are personalized. It says your name on it. So it's like, hi, Sammy. And then there's like a little fun fact on them. And it's just really, really easy. It makes the process of taking vitamins fun. It helps you feel like you're doing something good for yourself, which is really the best way to start your day. And they also have an app that allows you to track your progress and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins, which is something I could have used when I was four, but can also use now just as easily. So this is really exciting. So go online, take the quiz. You go to takecareof.com to take the quiz. And then to get 30% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter promo code WHH30. That's like when's happy hour 30. So to get 30% off your order, go to takecareof.com, enter promo code WHH30, and let me know how you guys like the quiz. So in the process of building the brand, there's so many aspects of it that obviously create what is SoulCycle and what people think of it. How did you know like which touch points to focus on? Like, And how did you prioritize they, yeah. them? Huh, that's interesting. Um, so look, obviously, you know, it, it, you know, it didn't, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Yeah. So I think we were pretty clear. It's interesting if you look at photos of the first soul cycle that was ever built. I mean, we built it from Ikea, ca- kitchen cabinetry. You know, we, we had to make six trips in Elizabeth's little station wagon to get all the cabinetry and the parts in there. Um, it was, you know, the front desk was built with plywood in the back. But if you look at the way that it looks, it's Really, I'm going to say, you know, 70% to the way that the studios look today. I mean, the brand was there from the beginning. And I think the first thing we did was just sort of cover the five senses, right? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? And then, honestly, since we were the people that were working there, Mm -hmm. we just made the choices that we would have made for our friends, for our family, or for our daughters. I mean, Elizabeth and I have four daughters between us, and I think that our best litmus test always when we were, Mm -hmm. you know, running the company or working behind the front desk is, is this a place we would send our daughters to work? Is this a place that we would send our daughters to be customers at? You know, how would we want our girls to be treated. Yeah. And I think that was always a good gut check. And look, I think that DNA of a company and those touch points really come 
a lot from founders. I'm sure that you guys can also understand that so much of your brand, the way that people talk, the brand voice, the way that people treat each other, it comes from the people that are leading in the beginning, right? It's it's sort of a sort of a two punch type of thing. The, The DNA comes from founders. And then what happens is, you know, are you able to codify and scale that DNA so that other people are making the same type of decisions that you would make for your brand? And we were super aware of that. Yeah. Also quality control. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that comes with training. Yeah, I'm sure. So what was your what was your biggest challenge in getting started and in growing and scaling it? Or multiple challenges? I mean, there are so many challenges, you know, I what's the one that like you remember that the most hmm. that either upsets you or or like makes you like ha- feel something still. or that you learned from the most <laughs> you can take it any direction yeah I, you know I think that um, up until we started to um, scale our technology in a different way Elizabeth and I had pretty much been able to do every job so to your point of quality control yeah. as we were scaling it was pretty easy to you know not only see what could be done better or differently yeah. but they were all jobs that we could pretty much do right um, we got to a certain point with our technology where we were just so busy and our website had kind of been you know built like a thousand extensions and bedrooms on a foundation mm-hmm. that couldn't couldn't handle it and so we went to rebuild our site and we yeah. outsourced it because right. we finally had money to use an agency and yeah um that was really exciting for us and i think just you know because you know things happen you know we wound up with a website that we launched that really did not work very well and so oh, really? what we wound up having was you know four people could sign up for bike number three at eight thirty on monday oh, and eight people could sign up for bike 52 and so it just became a massive crisis and i will say we built enough loyalty and trust from our riders that we were able to deploy human capital to these different studios and you know give give people free classes and say sorry but it took quite a while to fix it and i think that we really uh we created a lack of patience by week number six Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of how our app was born so if you talk about sort of a a good story that comes out of you know we sort of blew up our website only to hurry up and create an awesome (laughs) app Um, And so ultimately, the way that we fixed it wound up being, you know, better than what we even originally anticipated. But I will say we had about, you know, four really stressful months where our technology was not working well. Was it because that you sort of, you guys didn't, like, how, how did you get to that point? Like, is it because you hired the wrong agency because you were trying to cut a corner somewhere? Or did you feel like, you know what I mean? Sometimes we make decisions and then we, we realize, oh, shit, should have went the other way, you know? No, honestly, we hired a great agency. And... You know, I think that it was just one of those things where we should have tested things a little longer. Right. We should have, you know, we probably shouldn't have launched it at noon on Monday. <laughs> that could have been good in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, but, you know, things yeah. happened. And, yeah. you know, you're, you guys also know, you know, growing business, you're running at a million miles an hour. I'm sure that we were also opening three studios that yeah. month and, you know, training 40 instructors and you know had 14 yeah. merch lines coming out and you do Love the best the you do the best <laughs> yeah. you do the best that you can you know yeah. so looking back you've obviously been through a lot and the company has really thrived and you sold it to equinox for 90 million and that's each 
amazing. Right. <laughs> how do you, how, what changes have you seen in yourself? What things have you worked on to improve in yourself to be a better entrepreneur, business owner, whatever it is you felt you needed to work on? So it's interesting because Elizabeth and I, very early on in the life of our business, we had a third partner that didn't work out pretty quickly. And after we, um, after our third partner left the business, we decided that working on our partnership and making sure that it stayed healthy was going to be a really big part of keeping the business successful. And so Elizabeth, who uh, is from Boulder, Colorado, and we always say she's sort of, you know, the good witch, like she's just (laughs) crunchy and fabulous and brilliant. Anyway, so she woke up in the middle of the night one night and was freaking out about our business was growing. We had young kids at home. How are we going to do it all? And so she Googled Life Coach NYC in the middle of the night. And she calls me up the next morning. She says, I found a coach for us. I Googled Life Coach NYC in the middle (laughs) of the night, and we are going to go meet her in Union Square today. And I said, well, maybe you're going to go meet her in Union Square today, but I'm going to go to work because somebody has to run our business, and I don't have time to sit with somebody who's going to read a crystal ball. Cut to, of course, I went to the meeting and we wound up meeting our coach, business therapist, whatever you want to call her. But I will say that over the decade that we have worked with our coach, she has helped us develop into better entrepreneurs, great leaders. There are often times, even in the best partnership, where you know you have a common vision, but at the time you would choose two different courses for the business. Um, as you grow from being a scrappy entrepreneur where your biggest you know, problem is how are you going to keep the lights on or meet payroll to having 2,500 employees that want to understand what their career trajectories are. <laughs> you know, Nobody teaches you that along the way. And I right. will say what was amazing about working with our coach Meredith was you know, we would learn things. We would learn how to communicate better with each other. And then we would take those lessons and we would codify them and we would teach them to the rest of the organization. And so as we were learning valuable communication tools, leadership tools, we would we would figure out a way that we would learn them. We would teach them to the rest of the organization. And then the great thing was we were all sort of on the same page growing together. And I think that's really what created a pretty healthy organization was that we all learned these skills together. Um, And I continue to see our business coach, as does Elizabeth. The same one? The same one. That's amazing. The same one. Yeah, can we get her number? Um, You can, (laughs) 100%. She's she's sort of a miracle. Um, Love a miracle. Take a miracle. (laughs) No, you know, I think, though, there comes a moment, um, you know, with every big decision, with every conflict, where it's impossible to really be objective. You know, you're so, you're so... As an entrepreneur, you think that nothing is happening outside of Betches or Soul Cycle. Mm-hmm. You just think the whole world is sort of secondary to what is going on inside your little bubble. Yeah. And I think sometimes it takes somebody to help you explore bigger questions, life questions, yeah. ethics questions. You know, sometimes our coach will say to, to us something very simple like, well, that might be the right decision to make an extra dollar or for business, but who do you want to be in the world when this is all over? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a really different conversation. So simple. By the way, <laughs> it's a really different question yeah. all the time. You do, yeah. No, and that's and the thing. I, and and something that's sort of that I'm really happy you're bringing that up because I think about that a lot, and mm-hmm. I think that it doesn't even factor into most business decisions. And I imagine it doesn't factor into the way most people like wake Absolutely. up and go to their job. They just kind of 
go oh. and they do their list or and they, they go home. Yeah. And then they go home. But it really is like, this is what you're doing all the time. So. And what's yeah. so interesting is that when you start to examine, you know, not to, not to get too deep or whatever, but when you start to, you ex- can get deep. when you, you start to deep. examine yeah. those questions, those things that you think are simple business decisions on a deeper level, mm-hmm. you ultimately start making choices that are so much healthier, so much more generous, so much more enriching to yourself. And those choices ultimately wind up being the better decisions business-wise mm-hmm. because peop- other people flourish, people feel heard, people feel collaborated with, people feel like they are receiving what they deserve also. And what do you think happens then? They decide to work harder, feed mm-hmm. the business more, stay engaged longer. It's yeah. really interesting, I think, to think about think about things from that way. And then I will also say in terms of growing and learning, you know, WeWork is an incredible learning experience. We are a large company opening 40 to 45 buildings a month on a global scale. You know, after creating a fantastic domestic business with SoulCycle, I keep saying it's like somebody's given me peripheral vision (laughs) to understand a completely different scale. It's a totally different beast. Um, there are some, you know, in there are many incredible, you know, people at right. WeWork that are. Well, we started Betches at WeWork. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. WeWork is a really interesting business, and I think that what's so what's so great Not for started but grew grew yeah. yeah. Well, what's so great for me is you know people often say like you know started SoulCycle, now you're at WeWork, kind of what's the commonality? And the truth is, you know, SoulCycle isn't about bikes and WeWork isn't about desks. They're both really businesses about empowering people through community. So Jordana, you know what I'm loving these days? What? A nice glass of wine after work. I feel that. It's just something, something feels after relaxing. Work on the weekends. It's nice. I feel like I find it a nice Sunday night ritual. Yes. When I Game of Thrones and, and, and wine. And wine, right. So where are you getting your wine these days? So interestingly enough, I just subscribe to First Leaf, which is a company that that, you know, because you never you ever want wine. But then you're like, oh, I don't have any in my house and I don't like want to go out to the store and get it. That's like you're kind of like torn because you really want it, but you don't want to go out and get it. This is really easy because this is a monthly subscription to wine. And if you're like me and you don't know really that much about wine, but you have like a general sense of your not a sommelier. Right, I'm not a sommelier, but I have a general sense of what I like and what I don't like. What do you like? I like like reds, uh, very dry, dry whites and like that kind of thing. I have like a general sense, but I'm by no means like a sommelier, as we just said. Yeah. So uh, first sleep makes it really easy. You can go online, you can take a quiz and it's like catered to people who know like a little bit like myself and probably you too, yeah. where you get to sort of pick like, I like these kinds of wine. You, you can pick like a Napa red or like a, the blends I like, or like, what do I, lo- what kind of flavors do I like? What kind of flavors do I hate? Like, do I like oaky or minerally or, um, Tannins. Like a, right like that kind of stuff it's great because like you get to and then it makes you also feel like you're more invested in the wine and you know what you're gonna get and then they pick based on that quiz six bottles tailored specifically for you and they'll send them to you every month um and it's great because first leaf has an introductory six pack of wine for me all for just 29.95 an introductory six pack of wine for 29.95 these wines normally go for at least two Twenty dollars a piece. That is amazing savings. I know it's that ama- is like, and I will drink it. That's like, a great. That's the best here's the thing: part. you can never have too much wine in your apartment because right. eventually, exactly, you will drink it. It doesn't like, go bad if anything the other way around. If anything, it gets better. Exactly, with age, like a fine wine. Yeah. You know? So this is an amazing deal because you're paying basically thirty dollars 
for six things when you would be paying $20 for one thing. And so that is like insane. Exactly. And the best part is you don't have to leave your house. Yes. Um, which makes the, the wine part. more relaxing when yeah. you didn't have to go and like grab it and carry a million bottles home. So sign up with our link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash WHH. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash WHH. Did you feel like when you got out of SoulCycle that you knew what you wanted to do? Not necessarily do at like what, what kind of position you wanted to hold somewhere. No, I mean, I'm really still figuring out who I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. So that's that's for sure for me. I'm I'm so it's OK to feel the way we feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And I hate to, I hate to tell you, but I think that most entrepreneurs feel yeah. it forever. I don't yeah. think you ever feel like you've arrived. You right. know. So there was never a moment where you were like 90 million dollars. I'm going to go to the Maldives <laughs> and stay there. It's so it, my daughters can call me. <laughs> It's so funny because I actually don't ever think that at all. My friends yeah. ask me that all the time. They're like, you know, I have girlfriends that will call me or anybody that will call me in the middle of the day and say like, hey, do you want to have lunch today? And I'll say lunch. I have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say work. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I was like, we know how rich you are. <laughs> I, I haven't seen yeah. a movie in the middle of the day since I was 22, you know what I mean? After That's college. So funny. Um, but no, I think um, I had no idea really what I wanted to do after Soul Cycle. I think that when you create something, especially something like SoulCycle that means so much to people, and then you kind of, you know, sell it, yeah. which is fabulous, and money is fabulous. There's yeah. no doubt about it. It's definitely, um, definitely fabulous. you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it is fabulous. Yeah. But I think that when something is a part of you, a piece of you, and it's got so much to do with the people that are in your life and the way that you're yeah. thinking and collaborating and creating every day, there's a real drop off when you leave that. And so it definitely took me a little while to sort of come down from that and mm -hmm. figure out what's next. How did you feel when you did sell? Like, were, was it morning or did you feel like accomplished or did you feel like, sure, like there was yeah. a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a combo yeah. um, for sure. I think that, you know, in some ways, yeah, you feel accomplished. You know, you you did it, kind of, except. <laughs> you did it. Kind of. You did it. Kind of. <laughs> Well, you I would say that you did it even if you wanted to do more. You still did it. Do any of us ever really feel like we think we did it? Or do no. we just keep moving sort of the goal I don't feel like I ourselves? did it, but I'm waiting for the day that I'll feel. Like, <laughs> I don't I know that like it ever comes. It small drop because of you're, it. Because you're working towards the next thing halfway through before you get to the point where you think you're about to say, I did it. And then, and then by the when you get to the I did it, you're already halfway ahead. You're like, all right, I knew I was going to do it. Now I have to do the next thing. Definitely. And yeah. I think if you're a person that loves to create, yeah, I think that actually the creating is the part of who you are. It's, it's not really about the finish line. I mm -hmm. love in the morning to wake up and kind of be in the middle of crazy chaos with people and ideas and things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, the best, the best part of my day is kind of being the ringmaster of all of that. Yeah. And so I think that for me, it's always been more about the being in the mode of creating than it's yeah. been about the finish line. And it's a lot of fun to travel through the world that way, you know, constantly thinking about, you know, how you can continue to create as the world changes. 
And I think the finish line is great. Believe me. I mean, yeah. there's there are parts of of me that think, wow. But but you don't really stop to think about yourself that way, do you? Do you yeah. ever really stop and think, oh. whoa, I did it? I How never, amazing. I never, <laughs> I never knew. I'm always thinking about, you know, what I didn't do. Well, yeah, what I same. do wish for is, so you say you you feel really comfortable in the chaos that that's where you thrive. I personally feel like I'm looking for like the end of the chaos almost like I'm like if I just get this next thing like the chaos will be the chaos will end but th- I've sort of figured out that it will never appreciate end. it how did you did you always just well, naturally you could go, go to the Maldives without <laughs> without your children right but um, did you always just feel comfortable in the chaos and that's a natural thing or how did you get comfortable with that you know, it's interesting when I think about it. I think it's part of the uh, the musical theater geek in me. I think I always love to kind of be a part of productions and craziness and kind of it's the night before and everybody's still painting the set and, you know, the musical numbers aren't great yet and we need to keep dancing until the curtain comes up the next night. And I think there is something about being a part of that chaos that I have always loved. Uh, I think that, you know, my husband would definitely say this to be true, that the minute that we do have a moment in our life that could potentially be calm, <laughs> you know, I'm selling our apartment or moving <laughs> us to another country or something, you know, there's, ne- Sexy, there's, yeah. there's never a dull moment. And, you know, I like to say to him, like, you signed up for it. You know, I, I, ne- yeah. I never yeah. told you that I like to sit still, you know. Yeah. But um, I do think that for me, I kind of like the chaos. And... I don't know. I know many people who have created businesses and when they're done, they think that they want to sit on a beach or or take a moment. But I think actually what's interesting, those people that I know, they take that moment and people that are really creators, they come back to it again. Yeah, right. That That makes makes sense. sense. So I just have a question. So what are you doing now at WeWork that's... Um, different than when you were doing before. Sure. So at WeWork, we just launched a really great new uh, product line or sort of our first retail or, you know, B2C type of business, which is we created a sort of a new community center. It's on the corner of our first Made one. Made by We. Made by We. We're speaking we're, there. Or we would Yes, have you guys are going. Um, yeah. Two two nights this week I'm spending at Made by We. Tomorrow night for us and then Wednesday night. Well, but when this Alexa comes out, we will have done it. Okay. So you guys ago. missed it already. <laughs> <laughs> it's really awesome. So it's yeah. on-demand workspace. You mm-hmm. can go and you can go on the app, the Made by We, and you can pick a seat and you can come for an hour, you can come for the day, you can get a conference room, you can get a single seat, you can get a booth, you can get Bluestone Lane, we have a great cafe in there, you can get it delivered to your conference room or to your seat and then we have awesome member products. We have a huge marketplace where we've curated all products from our members across our 450 buildings globally and so you can buy some great stuff there. And we have amazing events like you guys at night. (laughs) And what we're really seeing is that people are wanting a place to come together to be you know in a world that's really transient where people are working on their phones and their tablets all day it's Mm -hmm. a great sort of respite in the middle of a city to come and charge your phone and spend an hour and I think as an entrepreneur also what I kept thinking when we were creating it is you know I wish I had had a place to go where I could get energy from other people and really be encouraged to continue my pursuit of what I was building rather than kind of be in a room by myself yeah you should put a soul cycle in made by wit (laughs) that way when people need a break in the middle of the day they can just do a class 
And that would be that would be so amazing. It <laughs> almost makes me wish we didn't have this office. So I could <laughs> there are actually plenty of Soul Cycles near our I first night. We, I mean, I I, I strategically design things yeah. close to Soul Cycles. So if you wanted <laughs> yeah. to, you could yeah. ride at our 18th Street location, take a you break at our 20th or Street. Or there 19th also? There's both. Yeah. So yeah. you could actually just take a break at Made by We in the middle, and then go back to, to 19th Street after. Yeah, I mean, it like it makes, it makes sense. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Away. Away is first-class luggage at a coach price. And they are, I swear by them, I honestly don't think I would ever switch to a different suitcase, to be totally honest with you, now that I'm into them. So, I mean, I'm sure you've seen them. They're the really chic-looking millennial suitcases. They come in nine colors, four sizes, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large. I personally have the large and the bigger carry-on. And they all like fit inside each other, which is also like very key for storage in a small New York City apartment. It's a great looking suitcase, but it's also super functional. I can always fit so much more than it looks like I can fit. And I'm honestly pretty amazed for, especially for a hard shell suitcase, how much actually fits in there. Basically, both of the carry-on sizes also come with a cell phone charging battery that is inside the suitcase, which you can leave in, you could take it out, but it's great to have with you when you're traveling and you can't find an outlet in an airport. And even though they have tons of space, all the carry-on sizes are compliant with all U.S. major airlines. So it maximizes the space you can have while always getting a spot in the overhead container. Um, you also get a 100-day trial. So if you don't like it, which I don't think will happen, you can decide it's not for you and you can return it for a full refund. No questions asked, but I don't think you'll have to because it's really the best suitcase. So we're giving our listeners $20 off a suitcase. All you have to do is go to awaytravel.com slash WHH and use promo code WHH during checkout. So again, to get $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash WHH and use promo code WHH. I have the pink one. Should we play a game? Yes. About like... Hired or fired. Being a boss. Sure. Okay. Let's say a person shows up to an interview in workout clothes. Are they hired or fired? Do they work? Is this at SoulCycle or not? Let's say at SoulCycle. They're anywhere. They're not hired. They're not hired. Okay. No, even at SoulCycle. Even at SoulCycle. That's a point. I still think even in today's sort of relaxed world, there's a certain type of respect and formality that is demonstrated by, Mm -hmm. you know, wearing something like... Right. A blazer. Real clothes. Yes. Yeah. A blazer. Yeah. <laughs> a nice sensible blazer. Um, are they hired or fired if they don't bring a resume to the they interview? They forgot. They just forgot. The printer to... was broken. They forgot. They are not hired. They are not hired. They are not hired. I mean, I assume I've received it ahead of time, but you know what? And also for me, I also have a printed out copy in front of me, but I think that's yeah. another thing. If you can't remember your resume, I can only imagine what you're forgetting when I hire exactly. you. That's a good I point. agree with you. Their only work experience is their own entrepreneurial pursuits. That are failed. That are failed? I, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure I wanted to keep that. It would really depend. Okay. That would be that would be a judgment call based on the, you know, the personality and character that I that I would read during the interview. Okay. I think I agree with that. Somebody just came in and was like, I did this, but they seemed really... I think it matters what they learned from it. Yeah. And what they say they like, what and, they say about it. And why are they looking for a full-time job now? Yeah. Yeah. It depends. Look I, think, look, I think that, you know, one really incredible thing that you can learn, I mean, something that I learned actually going, you know, working at WeWork is that there 
there were other skills that I could still learn. There continue to be other skills that I can learn. You know, Elizabeth and I always used to say that, you know, we didn't we didn't go to business school. So everything, every day, every mistake was mm-hmm. our on the job MBA. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's could be any entrepreneur that had run a business and still felt they had things to learn. For sure. I mean, yeah, that's our whole thing. Yeah. We also didn't go to business school. We all studied very random non. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, so I mean, now that you're saying that I should go, I know we're in the mid, mid game, but I want to ask you, how did you learn? How did you seek to learn things that you needed to know? It was a lot of on the job, no doubt about it. And, you know, we all we always used to say for every mistake that we made, well, we didn't go to business school. So that was just part of our tuition. OK, um, good point. But it's a lot of on the job. And I think that when you start a business, people always will say to me, you know, did you ever think did you ever think it was going to be such a big success? Did you ever think it was going to be 90 seats? And what I always say is I never thought that it was going to be, you know, Mm-hmm. what it was but I didn't not think it was going to be I mean I used to go into that studio every day thinking this thing is going to make it mm-hmm. and I think that you need to go in with that attitude otherwise it doesn't happen and in order to make sure that it makes it you need to learn whatever you need to learn on the job that right. day and so look I learned everything from you know how to read a P&L to you know how to market your own product yeah. uh, you know to how to fix a bike uh, you just do that. That That's what you do, right? You figure it all out because sure. you certainly don't have money to pay other people to do it. And the thing is that if you don't understand your business in that kind of a way, to me, that's a surefire way that your business won't make it. I think that entrepreneurs need to know how to do every job in their business. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. One okay. Last question. Let's do the last, last one. question. Yeah. Um, if in the interview they ask what kind of work perks they'll be getting. Where it's like, like what are their perks? If they're yeah, like, like, what the- are my vacation days? No work are perks. There, that's not a perk. That is that's a, a perk. benefit. Work perks. Yeah, but like what are what are they ask about what their perks are? Like, do they get free lunch? What time yeah. do they have to stay? Because I feel like back in the day, it's like it was you can't ask that, and now, like people are encouraged to sort of ask about culture. So it sort of depends the way. So yeah. people definitely do ask about culture yeah. often, and it's funny. I mean, it's a real it's a real shift. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in the entertainment business. It was sort yeah. of a war of attrition. Take you know, it or you, leave it. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I mean, you you made sure yeah. that you were the last person to stay. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't go to lunch. I mean, you barely got up to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, it needed to yeah. be a, pretty much an emergency type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I it's think... It's not the case anymore. No, no, no. I mean, um, <laughs> millennials are very interested in perks and benefits. Um, and I think... <laughs> so when do I become the boss? <laughs> you know, though, I think it's I think it's actually okay. I think there are certain questions to me that are, you know, what time do we have to come in? When do we get to leave? To me, that's all about when the job's done. I think that, you know, I like to create a work atmosphere where, you know, if we're on deadline or something needs to happen, an entire team is pitching in. And if we're sleeping there, we're sleeping there. But you know what? After we've slept there and we've gotten that done, if you're a responsible grown up and you need to take the next day off because we've, we've, we're grinding for two weeks. Like I get that too. I don't think that's something you want to ask in a job interview. Yeah. I think that's just sort of an ingrained work ethic. And my hope is that people, you know, along, I I think that to create that kind of culture, you have to have people that are in a mindset 
of being a part of a culture like that. Yeah. And I think that ebbs and flows. Can we ask just for our own, our own benefit? How do you, people you've personally interviewed, how do you sort of like suss out who has that work ethic versus who's kind of there for themselves? I like to ask for stories. I like to ask. I like to ask people, you know, can you give me an example of a time that, you know, you worked really hard with your team members to make something happen? What was an example of something, you know, a time at work when you thought you were never going to be able to pull something off and how did you wind up doing it? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that those are good. I think. What are you looking for for them to say or not say? You know, I'm looking for collaboration mostly. Yeah. I'm looking for people who are not drawing the lines and saying, well, that's not in my bucket, that's in your bucket. To me, you know, when it all goes up in flames, it's about people pulling together and just getting it done and helping each other. And I think that that, that is, you know, being a team player, you know, making yeah. sure that, you know, you're there supporting the other people that you work with when it may or may not be the thing that you're directly responsible for is really mm-hmm. a huge part of the success of a team. Yeah, we always say that we hate, we don't like when people are like, that's not my job. Like everything is everyone's. So, I mean, there is your job responsibilities, but you can't yeah. say no to something because of that. Yeah, I mean, even what we do, it's like, I don't even I wear like see this hats. is my job or not my job. <laughs> like it's all just... Job. Definitely job. Yeah. <laughs> this is job. By the yeah. way, at SoulCycle, when we hired people, it didn't matter if they were going to be the CFO or the CEO. Everybody worked at the front desk for mm-hmm. three weeks. Interesting. That actually, more than a job interview, is a great way to see it. Like, you know, everybody has to do every job. How, yeah. you know, how are you behind the front desk? Are you cool spraying shoes? <laughs> are you good wiping down bikes in between classes? You know, yeah. is it, you know, is is that something that you can really get into and be a part of a team? Are you just phoning it in? Mm-hmm. That is, I think that, you know, look, it takes time to get to know people. So interviews are great and yeah. people can learn to say the right things. But for us, that was always a big thing to see how people were behind the front desk because that was our business. I feel like interviews are, they don't work. Like (laughs) I feel like whenever I'm in an interview, I'm like, okay, well, I asked you all the questions that I could possibly think of and you've given me all the answers. Like, how do I know that that you didn't just learn that that's what you're supposed to say? And like, how do you actually know? I wish you could do like dating for (laughs) your employees. Yeah, I actually think a trial period is a genius idea. Unfortunately, people can't, you know, afford to leave one job and test out a new job. So that's not really realistic. But I think that it's not a bad idea. I think that kind of thing is is really interesting. I also think so much of the way that, you know, we work with people or people work with each other is really about business chemistry. Right. Yeah. You know, there's some people that just become a great member of a team. And then there's sometimes where it just it's not a fit, and they could be a great member of a different team, but for that team, right. it just doesn't work. Exactly. Right. They also have to care about what everybody's doing, like what the job is. Right. But that those are the things that's so hard. You get to the yeah. end of the hour, and you're like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna make my judgment we based find on out this later. hour. Right. But you find out later. review. <laughs> right. But you find out later, and at, by that point, you've already like potentially lost a time when you could have had someone really good in the role, or you you know you have someone, and they're kind of like okay, and you know. I think you know pretty quickly and I think I think not keeping people for too long is also very important especially as you're growing Mm -hmm. I think that you have Mm -hmm. to know where your organization is in the you know in in earlier days when you have fewer employees you have a little bit more time to invest Mm -hmm. but I think that once you know somebody is not going to be a cultural fit or is not going to work as a part of a team it's it's time to move on 
Okay. Good to know. And well, that was hired or fired. <laughs> that was hired or fired. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. This has been amazing. Obviously, I'm such a fan. So it's been great. Thanks to for meet having you. me. Yeah. Thanks this has been amazing. So where so where can people so made by Weave, there's only one location right now, which is on Broadway. And Corner of twentieth and Broadway yeah. at made dot by dot we. And you can book a desk or a room online. Yep, you can. Um well, we're you can book a desk, you could book a bike. You could book a nook. You can book yeah. it. You can book it all. Yeah, you can book it all. But come visit us at uh, corner of Twentieth and Broadway, and um, you can find me at Julie Rice <laughs> underscore. Great, um, and I'll that's, you. that's yeah. it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so, you so much. much. Great. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to When's Happy Hour. Pick up a copy of When's Happy Hour. Work hard so you can hardly work. Available in paperback now. Betches.